The short letters of the New Testament is, is, is uh, going to be concluded today with the book of Jude. And uh, uh, I've enjoyed this, this series because, uh, uh, you know, like may, maybe many of you, some of these letters I, I'm, I'm sure I've read before, but uh, I, I didn't really, haven't really paid a whole lot of attention to books like Third John. Uh, and so I've enjoyed myself in learning about these, these books and I hope you have too. And today we're going to be taking a look at our last short letter, the book of Jude. So as we've done the last couple of weeks, this was a little, <clears throat> a little bit longer than 3 John, but let's read Jude. All right, we'll start with verse 1. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who have been called, who are loved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, Mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. Though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord at one time delivered his people out of Egypt, but they later destroyed, <clears throat> but he later destroyed those who did not believe, and the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their proper dwelling. These he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah, <clears throat> And the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. In the very same way, on the strength of their dreams, these ungodly people pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and heap abuse on celestial beings. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to condemn him for for slander, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Yet these people slander whatever they do not understand, and the very things they do understand by instinct, as irrational animals do, will destroy them. <clears throat> Woe to them. They have taken the way of Cain. They have ru rushed for profit into Balaam's era. They have been destroyed by Korah's rebellion. These people are blemishes at your love feasts eating with you without the slightest qualm, shepherds who feed only themselves. They are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit and uprooted, twice dead. They are wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shame, wandering stars for whom blackest darkness has been reserved forever. Are you depressed yet? <clears throat> Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about them, See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all of them of the ungodly acts they have committed and their ungodliness and of all the defiant words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These people are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. 
But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To our only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. All right, we're going to work through that in just a minute. <clears throat> you know, if you've ever uh, seen my front yard, um, <clears throat> you know that it does not look like this. <laughs> uh, I, have, uh, I have tried several times through the 30 plus years that I've lived in, this in my house to, to establish a lawn that looks like this, uh, a nice green lawn. But each time I have failed. Now, there's a couple of reasons why I've failed. Um, one is that I just don't have a green thumb. I, I don't know anything about establishing a lawn. I, I don't know what a lawn needs. I don't know what kind of grass that I should plant, uh, uh, that I should sow. I, I, you know, I don't know what, what uh, fertilizer I should add or, or not. Uh, I have no idea what it takes to establish a new lawn, uh, a nice fertile lawn. <clears throat> Secondly, uh, I am told that one of the problems with my yard is this huge oak tree that grows in, in one corner of my yard up by the street. Apparently, it has a large appetite, <laughs> and it enjoys sucking up all the vital nutrients and vitamins and minerals and whatever it is that a yard needs. Uh, the, this oak tree hogs it all for itself. Uh, you can just look all around the, the, the tree, and there's just nothing there but moss. Um, and and it, everything, was, everything else near the tree is, is just starving because it hogs it all. Now, I don't know this for a fact, uh, but uh, that's what I've been told, and it makes sense. And it works for this illustration, so we're going to go with it. Um, <clears throat> thirdly, as I said, uh, a beautiful lawn would be nice, uh, but I'm, I'm just going to have to admit to you, it's not on my top 10 list of things to do. <laughs> it just isn't. Uh, uh, so I don't put much effort into making my lawn beautiful and nice to look like that. Um, now, in contrast to my lawn uh, is my neighbor's lawn across the street. Uh, he, too, has been trying for years to establish a nice lawn. Uh, he has uh, had much more success than me, mainly because it is much higher on his priority list. Uh, his grass grows, and it looks good. Uh, he waters it, mows it, waters it, mows it. Uh, and compared to mine, Hugh's, Hugh's, his name is Hugh, his yard looks really nice. Now, one problem that Hugh did deal with was the same problem that I have. Uh, he, too, had a huge old oak tree uh, that was growing at the edge of his lawn, one of the many, many beautiful uh, trees that grow along our, our street. Uh, like my yard, Hugh's tree was also sucking out all the, the nutrients that his lawn needed to grow, uh, selfishly hogging it all for himself, for itself. Well, last year, uh, a couple of things happened that took Hugh's lawn to the next level. 
uh, in beautiful lawn uh, and helping it get fir nicely, firmly established. First, the utility company came along and they decided that Hughes Tree was interfering with the power lines that, that wind their way down our street. And they decided to remove that tree uh, at their expense. And you can imagine how much it would cost to have to pay to have a tree like that taken out. So for two or three days, the, the power company sawed and chipped and sawed and chipped and hauled away this massive tree. Uh, then they ground the stump away, and, and leaving nothing but just a bare spot where that tree used to be. So instantly, Hughes' lawn was now free to take all the nutrients that it wanted, uh, all for itself, no longer being bullied by the oak tree. Then Hugh decided to stop messing around with just sowing seed. And he put in a sod lawn. Now, sod lawns are great because they're basically an instant beautiful lawn on a truck. <laughs> uh, they came in, they prepared the ground, they removed anything that was growing, old grass and weeds, uh, and they laid out this nice, thick, beautiful lawn that came on a truck in rolls. It was, it was fun to watch. Now, Hugh was very proud, as he should be, but you know what? His work was not done. He couldn't just let it go and it would take care of itself. As beautiful as this new lawn was, it still needed to be fed. If he did not feed it properly, even this beautiful sawed lawn would die. So you can regularly see Hugh outside adjusting his sprinkler, uh, especially during those dry periods. You know, that during the recent dry spell we had a few weeks ago, it's hard to remember that, but we remember we had a dry spell uh, a few weeks ago when everybody else's yard was reduced to crunchy dead grass, or in my case, crunchy dead weeds. Um, Hugh was out watering his grass every day, every day, and it paid off for him. His yard stayed green, and it even thrived during that time. And of course, one of the reasons his yard is doing so well is because the tree that was hogging all the food is gone it's gone. When water was applied, either by a sprinkler or by nature, the only thing drinking that water now is the grass. You know, it looks like my neighbor's lawn is finally well established, like he's been trying for, for years, but only because the competition is removed and it's being constantly fed. So if you're watching Hugh, way to go, Hugh, on your lawn. Now, during our, our look at the, uh, the short letters of the New Testament, we've seen a, a common issue that churches of the first century faced, a threat of being destroyed by false teachers. Remember, the churches who received these short letters and the long letters uh, of the New Testament were very, very young. Uh, by the time Jude wrote this letter, the church was no more than 50 years old. Uh, as, as a new lawn is difficult to establish uh, and keep healthy, so was this new church and, uh, and, and, it, and it trying to establish itself uh, and spread throughout the world. It, it was very fragile as well. You know, Jesus gave the apostles marching orders just before he departed uh, the earth to, to join, rejoin his Father in heaven, Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. Jesus told the disciples, therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
That was the orders. Go and make disciples. Spread the news. And that's exactly what those apostles did. They began to spread the gospel. Uh, as Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, uh, to Jerusalem, to in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. They just went as far as the known world was. They spread the gospel of Jesus. And as they went along in their, in their preaching and teaching, they established congregations along the way uh, in places like Corinth and Ephesus, Galatia, Philippi, Rome, uh, Alexandria, Athens, Berea, Antioch, and many, many other cities and places uh, churches were established, congregations. At first, these congregations often began with a bang, and they began to thrive and grow in their community immediately in great numbers. Uh, this message of grace and hope and love was extremely attractive to people, and they were naturally drawn to the, to the gospel message. And because it was new, at first, there was no internal opposition to it. Uh, now, there was outside opposition uh, from Rome and from the Jewish leaders, but the infant church, at first, was very pure, filled with the truth that the gospel, that the, that the apostles had, had taught them, that was directly from Jesus. Uh, these new Christians taught the truth to others and brought them into uh, the congregation, and then they regularly were reminded themselves of the truth given to them by the apostles. But as you can imagine, uh, it didn't take long for certain people in, inside and outside the church, people who were controlled not by the Holy Spirit but by their flesh, it didn't take them long to realize that the church would be a great opportunity to make gains for themselves, including financial gains, um, influence and power you know all they had to do was claim that they like the apostles were from god i got a message from god and then introduce an amended truth or a new truth to the mix a truth that favored them that gave them the power to control people's lives power that that gave them lifestyles that approved lifestyles that the apostles truth prohibited and they could live these lifestyles without any guilt. These false teachers began, uh, became like the huge oak tree uh, in, at the edge of my yard, and that used to be at the edge of Hughes' yard. They sucked the life out of the new church, removing the life-sustaining truth that the apostles uh, had, had given them and replaced it with deadly poison uh, like Sexual immorality, selfishness, hatred, jealousy, legalism. One by one, these new congregations established by people like Paul and John, James, Peter, and, and Jude, uh, congregations that once were thriving on the pure truth of the gospel of Jesus were now starting to waver. They were wavering. Left and right members in these congregations were feeding on these false truths that were infiltrating their churches, and they were falling away from the Savior that they had once embraced through the pure gospel of Jesus. So like Hugh and his long, unlike me and my long, uh, those who carried the truth and established these congregations uh, 
took action to save them from becoming just a crunchy bunch of dead weeds. They took action to help them reestablish and maintain the truth that they had been taught, that had given them life in Christ. They wrote letters, like we're reading today. Uh, they sent evangelists, like, like Timothy and Titus. They sent missionaries, like we talked about last week in 3 John. Um, they made personal visits to these congregations to help them see what was happening with these false teachers and to take action to get spiritually healthy again. Now, in their letters, like the one we're considering today, the book of Jude, uh, the first things they needed to do was eliminate the poison. Eliminate the poison that had infiltrated their churches and was threatening to destroy them. They had to get rid of the huge oak trees uh, that, that were starving them of the truth. They had to get rid of the false teachers that were among them. Now, this is a, a major issue that Jude deals with within his letter to the church. So let's real quickly talk about the book of Jude. The, the book of Jude was written by a man named Jude. Uh, that's the Greek way of pronouncing this name. The, the Hebrew way of pronounce, pronouncing is Judas. Uh, so if you were a, a Jewish person, you might call him Judas. And a lot of people think that, that we call it Jude, or originally it was called Jude, just to distinguish from Judas Iscariot. You know, nobody wants to be compared to Judas Iscariot. So, <clears throat> uh, so we call it Jude. Uh, now, he's the half-brother of James. Most scholars believe that he is the Jude that's mentioned in the list of Mary's other sons, found in Mark chapter 6, verse 3. Uh, and James, the author of the book of James, is also listed there in Mark 6, verse 3. So Jude was not just a student of Jesus. He was Jesus' half-brother. Uh, they shared the same mom, Mary. Uh, Jude calls himself in his, in his letter here, not Jesus' brother, in, in verse 1, he calls himself Jesus' servant. So he's not trying to take advantage of the fact that he's Jesus' brother. Although it doesn't give specifics, because of the way this letter is written, it seems likely that it was written to a particular congregation that was experiencing the issues that, that Jude is addressing here. Uh, rather than being a letter just for anybody and everybody, it seems like it's addressed to a specific group of people. It doesn't take long to see what is on Jude's mind, as, as, as we read just a few minutes ago. In fact, he states that he intended to write a different kind of letter at first when he set, out, set down to write uh, this church. But after hearing what was going on there, he changed his mind. Let's look at uh, verse 3 again. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. Jude wanted to just celebrate their shared faith uh, in Jesus together in, a, in a, just a nice letter, uh, just a friendly letter to, to celebrate what they had in common. But because that very truth was being threatened by these false teachers, he had to change the purpose of his letter. The kind of false teachers addressed here uh, in, in, at this church is not described in the letter, uh, probably because the audience already knew exactly who he was talking about. You know, he didn't need to identify what kind of false teachers they were. may have been the Gnostics that we talked about in, in 2 John. Uh, it, 
or it may have been, may have been some other form of false teaching, of new truth uh, that was being introduced to the church. Let's look at verse 4. For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. Uh, Jude calls them certain individuals. He, he may well have known their names, but he did not give them the honor of naming them. He just calls them certain individuals, certain men, uh, certain people um, who are attempting to deceive. They're, they're secretly slipping in to this congregation. They knew what they were doing, uh, perverting God's grace. They're trying to make God's grace something that it is not, a license to sin. Paul wrote about this kind of false teaching in his letter to the Romans. He, said, he wrote, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? And then he answers his own question, by no means. We're, we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? The false truth that, that Jude is addressing here was, you know, if we're forgiven by God's grace, that means we can just do anything we want to do. We can live any way we want to live, uh, including being immoral if we want to. It, it's not a big deal, folks. God's grace covers it, so, so there's no restraints, there's no boundaries to stay within. Just do what you want. Just do what you want. That was the false teaching, a part of it anyway. Jude calls them ungodly people in verse 4. Uh, they, they're not following God. They're, they're following their own fleshly desires and they're teaching that that's okay to just follow your fleshly desires um, they wanted salvation without having to follow the sovereign lord and and such they were sort of denying that jesus was even lord in verse four you see you see the poison that these certain individuals are spreading among this congregation the truth was clear the truth is clear, the, the truth that the apostles had given. We, are, we give our lives to Jesus to make him our Lord and our Savior, and then he gives us his grace. He freely forgives us of our sins through what Jesus did on the cross for us. That's God's part of the deal. Uh, and then our part of the deal is, now that we have given, made Jesus our, our, our Lord and our Savior, Lord meaning He's in control. He's the ruler of our lives. Now we live our lives in service for him. We, and that includes seeking every day to keep sin out of our life. Not that we'll ever be perfect at it because we won't, but that's our goal every day, to keep sin out of our life. As Paul said for forgiven, about forgiven people, how can you live in sin any longer? How can you even think that that's okay? Now, that was the truth. That was the truth. Yet these false teachers were telling them, no, 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 no. Reading your life of sin, that's not necessary. You don't have to worry about that. You see, God's grace covers it. So don't worry about it. Just do what you want to do. Do what you want to do. They're giving them permission to sin. And as you can imagine, <laughs> that could be an attractive truth, right? You know, yeah, I, you mean I'm saved and I can do anything I want? I like that truth. 
I like that through. So you can see how people might be attracted to it. So this is what Jude is urging, uh, is urgently trying to address in this short letter. If these Christians don't reject this false teaching, they and their church will wither and die. So, without going into all the details of Jude, we're not going to go through every little detail um, of his warnings. Let me, let me just give him a summary of the message. Jude uses several Old Testament examples to help illustrate to his audience what kind of people these false teachers are and who they compare to. Uh, he compares them to the children of Israel and their failure to trust God and go conquer the promised land. And because of that, they had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Um, he compares them to fallen angels like Satan and his demons uh, who rebelled against God and they're, and they're waiting for their time to spend eternity in hell. Uh, he compares them to Sodom and Gomorrah. Nobody wants to be compared to Sodom and Gomorrah, do they? Uh, and, and of course, Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed by fire from God. Uh, the, the, Jews, uh, among Jews, the Jews among Jude's audience would be familiar with all these Old Testament stories uh, and the fact that all of, all of these were punished because of their unfaithfulness, unfaithful, because of their sinful lifestyles. Jude wrote in verse 7, they serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. So these false teachers among this congregation are doing the same thing that others who have abandoned the truth in the past have done. Uh, he calls, Jude calls them dreamers in verse 8, perhaps because they, they claim that the source of their new truth came from a dream that God had sent them. He accused them, uh, these false teachers, of polluting their bodies, of indulging in sexual sins, of rejecting authority, heaping abuse on celestial beings, angels, they slander anything they don't understand. Verse 10, they behave like irrational animals controlled totally by their instinct and their flesh. In verse 10. And then he says, woe to them. Well, you, know, you don't want a Bible writer to say woe to you, do you? Woe to them. Uh, Jude uses three more Old Testament examples that these false teachers resemble. Cain, who killed his brother. Abel. Uh, Balaam, who tried to deceive and curse Israel. Uh, to Korah, who rebelled against Moses. Um, uh, they were plagued with jealousy, murder, sexual immorality, rebellion against God, uh, verse 11. You know, these false teachers were abusing the Lord's Supper, uh, verse 12, called the love feast. In the first century, it was common for the churches to not just have the simple uh, bread and cup like we do, but they would have a full meal like we do on Wednesday night. Uh, and, uh, and then within that meal, they would have the Lord's Supper, the emblems to remember Jesus. So it was a, it was a big deal to have this, and they called it the love feast. Um, and uh, and it, it looks like these guys were abusing that by hogging everything for themselves, feeding only themselves and not caring about others. <laughs> he calls them clouds without rain. They promise to deliver, but they deliver nothing. Uh, blown by the wind, they're unstable. Trees without fruit, they produce nothing beneficial or useful. Wild ways, wandering stars, destined for blackest darkness forever. Whew. Now, are you getting the picture that Jude is painting here <laughs> of, of these false teachers and what he thinks of them? Doesn't hold them in high regard uh, at all. Not a pretty picture. 
Do you see why Jude is so concerned about the effects that these false teachers are having on the church? Uh, If they are not removed immediately, this congregation will wither and die. Now, they might become some form of religious group that meets regularly, but if they abandon the truth, they are no longer the body of Christ. They're just some do-gooder group that meets. If they do good, and it doesn't sound like they would be doing good. Jude doesn't want them to have any sympathy or any warm feelings about these false teachers. You know, it's tempting to make excuses and even rationalize false teaching sometimes when you like the person who's teaching it. (laughs) Have you noticed that? You know, false teachers are are often successful because they're, they're good at attracting people with their charm with their personalities, um, with their, their sense of authority. You know, sometimes we wonder, why in the world did all these people follow somebody like Jim Jones? What, what's, in their, what's going on with these people? Well, he was such a powerful personality. He was like a magnet, and they were just drawn to him because of his commanding authority and, and, and the way he, he attracted people. You know, Jude wants to make it clear that these false teachers are poison to the church reject them regardless of how nice and charming they are and then jude does something interesting he quotes from a non-biblical book called enoch written in the second century bc this book is part of a series of non-biblical books called the pseudepigraphal Uh, so let's read what he says about that verse 14 and 15 enoch the seventh from adam professed professed about them these false teachers see the lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all of them of all the ungodly acts they have committed in their ungodliness and of all the defiant words ungodly sinners have spoken about him Uh, you know it's not looking good for (laughs) these false teachers uh for people like these false teachers of jude's day or people like this in our day uh on the day of judgment, God's not going to be kind to false teachers. Now, as far as I know, here at Stony Brook, we do not have any false teachers who have secretly slipped in to try to hoodwink us into believing some false truth. And I'm thankful for that. So if you know of anything, make sure you let me or one of the elders know. But I don't think, I don't think we've got anything like that going on here at Stony Brook. Uh, uh, yet there are other ways that a church can be poisoned besides the infiltration of false teachers. We can be poisoned by our own apathy towards serving God. You know, we live in a world filled with lost people who need Jesus. Uh, They will spend eternity uh, separated from, uh, from Jesus if they don't find him, if they don't uh, accept him as their, their savior. Uh, eternally separated from God in hell. That's people who don't know Jesus will be lost for eternity. Uh, If we don't care about that, care about lost people outside of this building, if we just go through the motions of church every Sunday, uh, singing songs and drinking juice and eating bread and 
and, uh, and listening to me talk, if that's all we ever do, and never seek to share the wonderful gospel of Jesus to people in our lives who are lost, guess what? We will wither and die because we'll never grow uh, through the addition of, of those who accept Christ. We can be poisoned by misplaced priorities. Uh, again, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. That was his purpose. Uh, but if all of our attention is focused on buildings and events and schedules and traditions and ourselves if all our attention is, is focused on ourselves each other looking just inward 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 taking care of, of each other never looking outward to those outside of this building and our group who are lost uh, we will wither and die at the end of jude's letter he gives a formula for maintaining a healthy spiritual lawn. Let's look at it, verse 20 and 21. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. The formula in, the, in those two verses is this. Build pray, keep, and wait. Build, pray, keep, and wait. Build yourself up in your holy faith or build yourself up in the truth of God's word. You know, one way you can prevent false teachers from infiltrating is by knowing the truth. Um, you know, the, back in the first century, they didn't have the New Testament like we do. They couldn't just go to a passage uh, and, and test uh, what somebody was saying. They had to rely on what the apostles had told them and what others had told them. You and I have the Word of God, and if we know the Word of God, if we've studied it, if we're students of it uh, uh, for, for, for life, when somebody tries to introduce some false teaching um, like this, we can know, no, that's, that's not according to your Word. And so we've got to keep ourselves in the, the Word of God but not just to understand it and know it and learn it and stay inward, uh, but to practice it, to apply it to our lives as we live our lives out you know, on our jobs and, and in the community. Part of the Word of God is sharing it to the lost, taking it outside of this building. Stay true to the truth by staying in the truth and applying it. Um, Thirdly, pray, or secondly, pray in the Holy Spirit. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you and then yield to his guidance. Simple, simple. You know, we like to pray in ourselves, don't we? We like to pray in ourselves. We like to ask God for what we want. We like to ask, to ask God to send us where we want to go and to do what we want to do and to be what we want to be. You know, we, we make a decision and then we say, God, here's the decision I've made. Will you please bless my decision? <laughs> Instead of asking God, uh, Lord, help me. You help me make my decision. So to pray in the Holy Spirit and be ready and willing to go and do whatever he leads us to. Uh, he will keep us straight when it comes to what truth is and what we should be doing with it. Um, letting the Spirit be in control. Thirdly, 
Keep yourself in God's love. You know, God will never stop loving us, but we can leave his love uh, by, uh, by failing to obey him. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Um, Jesus, someone asked Jesus one, one time, you know, Jesus, what's, what's, the, what's the greatest commandment? Of all the commandments, which one's the greatest? And he said, well, there's two of them. There's love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Everything revolves around those two commandments. And so uh, uh, one of the things that we must focus on and, and be diligent at is obeying those two commandments, loving God with all that's in us as we serve him, and then making a priority of loving others, um, especially those who are lost and need Christ. Do these things, then fourthly, as we wait for his mercy to be revealed in eternity. So let the hope of eternity be our great motivator to keep us building, praying, and keeping. And then Jude concludes his letter with some guidance in dealing with people who are in different spiritual places in their life. Uh, as, they, as they were then, they are now. Verse 22 and 23. He said, Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. You know, people then and now uh, are searching for the truth. Uh, you know, I can't imagine what it must be like for somebody who, who doesn't have faith and who doesn't know Christ and who's starting from scratch and has to figure out what the truth is. Can you imagine what that, what that must be like? Maybe some of you have experienced that. But there's so much noise out there. And, there, you know, social media and everything else, everybody is saying, you know, don't do this, do that. Don't trust them, trust, them, trust these. Um, you know, it's got to be difficult to find the truth. Um, you and I have the truth, and we know we have the truth. Uh, and, and, and when we share it with someone, and maybe this causes us to hesitate to do it sometimes, some are going to doubt. Some are going to doubt. You know, no, none of us want to be rejected, but some are going to doubt it, and it's just going to happen. And so Jesus, uh, Jude, calls us to be patient with those who doubt. Be patient with them. You know, that's a lot to take in. You know, when you, when you tell someone, this, is, this Jesus is someone you need to dedicate your life to, <laughs> that's a lot to take in. So it might take some time for some people. As we've said recently, lead with love. Lead with love. Show them the love of Christ and let the love of Christ that you demonstrate lead them towards Christ. And then you can share the truth and they'll accept it better love will win them not a lecture just always remember that love will win them not a lecture some people we know may be very close to falling in the fire jude says you know they're listening to people who are clearly against god's truth uh, on tv and on, and on social media um, Perhaps their only hope is for you to snatch them back out of the fire before they fall in. They're, they're, they're toddling, they're getting ready to go. Maybe you're their only hope to snatch them back from falling. Uh, so, so gently, you know somebody like that, pull them aside and just share your heart, how you're concerned about them. Um, your, your fear for the direction that they're going in. Of course, it's important for us 
to know the truth if we're going to try to share it uh, with someone. Uh, so, so share the truth uh, in, a, in a loving way, not a, not a condemning, judgmental way. They still may reject your effort. That's going to happen, but they may not. They may appreciate it and be thankful that you snatched them back just at the nick of time. Remember, you may be their only hope. And maybe you have a friend that has gone all in for some radical belief. Uh, there might be a few radical beliefs out there today. Uh, I'll have to check and see. But um, uh, maybe, you, maybe you know somebody who's, whoa, they're, they're, they've already fallen. They're in it. Jude encourages us to engage with them in mercy, but also with fear and caution. Uh, you know, radicalized people can be dangerous because they're usually very passionate about their belief. Have you noticed that? Uh, so engage with them, uh, share the truth with them, but don't let their passion sway you. Uh, that's what happens with many Christian college students today. They get caught up in the energy and the passion of their radicalized professors and, and fellow students, and before they know it, these, these kids who grew up in the church and believed and followed the truth before they know it they're embracing this false truth rejecting god's truth so be cautious with someone who's already fallen into that but don't give up on them don't give up on them and it's important again if we know the truth if we know the truth then we can we can uh, be more successful you know if it's up to me this is never going to be my lawn uh over on Branch Street. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Uh, but it'll never, my lawn's never going to look like Hughes. Uh, but you know what? I can live with that. I can live with it. Uh, but I should not be willing to live with a spiritual life that isn't healthy and thriving. We live in a crazy world filled with people who are seeking to undermine God's truth and destroy his church and destroy his people. That's what they would love to do. We must stand firm against them. We must remove them from our lives, and especially from our churches if they happen to be there. But even if there are no false teachers among us, and praise God there aren't here right now, even if there are no false teachers among us, our spiritual lives must still be maintained or we will still wither and die. Hugh's oak tree is gone. But you know what? He's still got to water his lawn or it'll die. So let's take Jude's advice uh, this morning. Let's build ourselves up in the holy faith. Uh, let's keep praying in the spirit. Let's keep ourselves in God's love as we wait for his mercy in eternity. Father, I thank you for uh, this powerful message of Jude. Uh, Lord, it was, uh, uh, he was very upset, as, as we all could read, and he, uh, he saw the urgency of removing false teaching uh, from, uh, from this church, and, and Lord, help us to, to have that same urgency in our lives if we see false teaching among us, and, and have that urgency of, about any false teaching that's out there. Help us to be prepared for it by, by knowing the truth ourselves and in our knowledge of God's word. 
and in our application of God's Word. Now, Lord, help us uh, to also understand that uh, even if there's no false teaching directly in our path, uh, we still must feed our spiritual lives. We must feed our spiritual lawns. Uh, otherwise, we'll still wither and die. So help us to, um, to uh, constantly be in God's Word and constantly be seeking uh, guidance from the Holy Spirit uh, and constantly seeking to share the love of Christ uh, with others around us so that we can stay healthy uh, and thrive in our spiritual life. So uh, thank you, Father, for this message. Thank you for these, these short letters that you, you gave us in your Word uh, and help us to not be strangers to them. Uh, as we read your word. So we thank you and we praise you and we give you all the glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.